Okay. Okay. So, a a a a a ah uh-uh. ah. But take that out of your hand. I can hear that on my side. I'm Nikki Bond, and my absentee rock and roll dad has just recently come back into my life. So now I have to try and teach him how to be a father, because he has no clue. Bonjour. Welcome back. I'm Canadian, so yeah, I know French. Do you? Do I know Spanish? No. I wish I knew that more. Back to the story. This is part two of a two-part episode with comedian Sandy Danto. I started to laugh because the fact that I have a two-part episode is pretty stupid right now, but Bobby's still going through his shit. And when I can get him on the line, it's going to be a long conversation. I'm never going to let him go because who knows when he will ever come back again. But I just feel like I'm going to be doing a lot more of these two-part episodes. So bear with us until things in life get normal. So last week, we got to know Sandy. If you didn't listen to that episode, check it out. His story in comedy is pretty amazing and commendable. We got to know what it's like for him to be a dad. And now, this week, we get into the hot goss. The moment you've all been waiting for, more so me, love some hot goss. If you have any, please send it to me. And he shares with us his daddy issues because really, if you're a comic, you've got some sort of parental issue. And well, you know what? Let's just hear the story. I need to stop talking, right? New Orleans is 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 really weird in the sense that I've been here so many times. Have you ever gone into an area and you go in a, a really funky building and you walk into this incredible loft? that's just macked out. But as soon as you walk out, it's just dingy and funky mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. New Orleans is like that. It was, I, I never liked New Orleans because I didn't know anything about it. Didn't know the culture about it. There's, and there are some beautiful areas. I thought it was an ugly town, but I was only in staying on one street for, for a week and didn't have a car, so I didn't get around. But being here, I've learned so much history I the first time I went to New Orleans was my senior year of high school spring break and my parent all my friends were going to either Cancun or the Bahamas Mm -hmm. and my parents didn't trust my judgment to go to a foreign country and not endanger my life or my future legal standing (laughs) so me and my other friends who either couldn't afford to or weren't allowed to go on one of those lavish spring mm-hmm. break trips for mm-hmm. an 18 year old. We mm-hmm. took a road trip down to New Orleans mm-hmm. and we ended up um, driving back to Michigan with two pounds of weed that we bought <laughs> off our high school science teacher's college roommate who was a hippie with a teardrop tattoo. Mm-hmm. And my friend borrowed his dad's handgun. So we had a stolen handgun and two oh. pounds of driving across multiple states. Oh my and God. So no matter wait a minute. how hard- Wait, 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 where, where were you driving to? From New Orleans to back to Michigan. Oh, there's just no way of getting around it. Like when I drive, I gotta go from to Alabama through Mississippi, Panhandle of Florida. There's no fucking way I'm gonna drive there with 
COVID nineteen, man. But well, this was in two thousand two. This is when he was a kid. He was eighteen. No, I, I know, I know. Still, it doesn't matter. It was even worse back. There wasn't COVID, but it was like. Are you just saying that shit that he had in his car? So what happened? Um, I, to shield myself, slept the whole way. Um, I, I when I was driving, I was really nervous, and I did a poor job. And so my friends were like, you're not driving anymore. So I just slept the entire time. And we managed to get back through the Bible Belt safely. And um, my parents maybe mm. just sh should have not let me go on any spring. <laughs> That's insane. I think that the moral of this story is, no matter what your involvement is with your kids, parenting is a fucking crapshoot. You're, they're going to fuck up anyways. Like, or not right, fuck like, up, the kids are going to do it. Like, my mom would smell my breath every time I came home from my friend's house. She'd be in bed. She'd wake up and go, come here. Right. Like, you, like, I think you turned out pretty well for, for like, your dad not being in your life until. That's why she, that's why she turned out so well. I wasn't <laughs> yeah. Right. Maybe if my dad had, like, gone on the road to, like, tour do, doing bunion surgeries maybe i would have turned out a little bit better so okay <laughs> so okay can you walk us through this story? no my dad was like a regular dad like a normal working dad but he just worked a lot to like so we could live our suburban life keeping up with the joneses my parents also had four kids which are expensive uh where are you in that number are you i'm the oldest okay so, like, by number three, I'm, like, helping take care of and raise them. Okay. Did, did, did your mom work? Not until I was out of high school. Hmm. Okay. But I guess, you know, she, like, t on the weekends taught nursery school or something like that. Yeah, I mean, my dad just, like, I, he was around physically, but he just seemed kind of checked out. Yeah, I was going to say mentally. Like, did he play? Did he uh, hang out with you on the weekend? Did you? Did he talk much, or was he just like to himself? He was more to himself. You know, he was there, but like, didn't try to engage in a way like how I like me with my daughter. I'm like constantly, you know, like. She's now all of a sudden into like role playing with her little Minnie Mouse and Daisy Duck and little action figures that she has. So I've got to like play out little scenarios or like she's wa always wants to dance. So we've got to like dance or like play dress up with her princess gowns and, and shit like that. Stuff that like in a million years, my dad would have never done. Mm -hmm. But like, you know, my sisters were competitive gymnasts and he would go to the tournaments and stuff. Mm -hmm. Okay. But, and he would like go to my, my baseball and soccer games. But like, I guess I just like didn't have a connection with him. Like, I don't know what his favorite movies are. I don't know what, like, I'll give you a perfect example. My dad knows how to fix things. He can, he can like work on cars. He can change his own oil. He can like fix things around the house. But when he would be doing that in his little workshop in the garage and I would hang around and ask questions, he would just get frustrated and be like, what are you doing? Go away. Get the fuck out of here. Instead of being like, come here for a sec. Let me show you. This is this part. 
This is the radiator. Right. And it does this function in a car. And this is what happens if it does this. You know, like in retrospect, that's what I wanted. Mm-hmm. And looking back on how I would like annoy him, that's what I was looking for. Mm-hmm. But he he was just like, let me just fix this fucking thing, which I, I guess I can't say I blame him for either. But it was just like a lot of that about everything. Mm. Yeah, You know, like instead of like pulling me in to try to teach me or at least like share an interest, it was like, let me just do this and be done with it. Get out of here so I can do that. Not including you. Right. And so like when my parents did split up, I was just like, cause, because he left my mom for another woman. Sorry. How old were you when that happened? 25 or 26. That's hard. You know, they say, yeah, that's a weird age. It's weird because it affects you. And my parents definitely put me and my siblings in the middle of it, but you're not young enough you're young enough still that it affects you and you act out, but you're old enough that you have to be accountable and you can't like get the attention you're seeking. Like when a teenager is going through their parents' divorce, they act, they like act out and they get attention and it's like, oh, they're crying out for help. But when you're doing, but like when you're getting blackout drunk as a 26 year old, it's just like, hey man, get your life together. Wait a minute. It affected you at 26? Yeah, because my parent, like my mom would call me crying all the time. And it made me have to like face the reality that I don't know my dad all that well, which is something I never really thought about before. Did you feel Mm -hmm. that way because he had left your mom for another woman and you couldn't have pictured him doing that? And it's like, oh, wait, that's... Look, I was 26. I'd been doing comedy for like four or five years. And especially the like hyper machismo culture of the comedy store. I, I, I like totally understood him wanting to like have other physical experiences mm-hmm. with women. Mm-hmm. Like I like as a human being, I could understand that. inclination it was all the other stuff of like not being able to relate to him that like really made me have to like look back and be like oh yeah this person that i have known my whole life i don't really know that is a mind fuck Uh, how old are you man uh i just turned 37 happy okay hold on one second uh 37 was he in vietnam no no a little too young for that um yeah so he was emotionally unavailable right right any it was if there was any emotion it was like because i did something wrong and he had he had to be the bad cop or like i would purposely try to piss him off because i thought it was funny when he would get mad i honestly wish that I had that gene when I was a kid and my mom got mad. Like, I wish that's good. People would say it's deflection, but it's also like, you're a comedian. If your dad is mad at you yelling and you can find it funny, like you're laughing at a horrible situation, which is like half of what, more than half of what comedy is really. Yeah. I like, it's weird because it was the opposite with my mom. I would get, I would feel 
her pain when she would get down. Me too. Mm. It's the worst. Do you still? But no, because these last, so my parents are split up, but they're not divorced. Okay. And there's like always been like the sliver of hope that my dad has left with my mom and my mom takes the bait. And so I just like, it's not that I don't feel empathy for my mom or sympathy for her, but not on the same level as I once did because of a resentment of her lack of interest in moving on. Mm. Like she both has this hurt and resentment towards my dad, but also this um, hopeless optimism that he'll like come back to her. How old is she? She's 62, 62, 61, 62. And say that she's hoping what now? You know, she's like hopelessly optimistic that my dad will leave this woman that he's been with for the last 10 years and come back to my mom. And how long were they married? For 30, some 32 years, something like that. Eight, eight, yeah, like my 30. dad just went like <laughs> my dad just fucking shook. My dad just shook. So, but that guys, that gentleman what? in the podcast, that is women. That is like that's what I would deal with with my friends, like my best friends. You know, like that is I have so many girlfriends that are like that, and it's crazy. Well, it's not crazy, but now you're an adult. And I think that's hard part about being in your twenties if your parents divorce because they aren't trying to protect you from their emotions. So they call you crying when like really they would call their girlfriend, but now they can call their kid because their kid's an adult. And then now she's hopelessly waiting for him to come back when there's so many women and men, sure, but that do it. And you're, it's like, she's your mom, but that's also, you could have a friend that's like that. And you're like, just move on. So that's really hard. It's hard because at first I was like, this is, she tried to tell me about it. And I was like, that's between you and dad. Like that's yeah. your relationship. Like don't involve. You chose to marry each other. That's right. you. Yeah. And then, um, after about like six, seven months of like, being ignorant of that my sister called me who was a teenager at the time and she's like i need your help mom is putting this on oh. me and talk like and i was like okay i'll involve my and and like ever since yeah and it's gotten a lot better and i would say in the last like year or so maybe the pandemic is the cure i don't know but like they've stopped talking and i think that's really helped that's like what they've needed to move on. And my, my, so my relationship with my dad, I had stopped talking to him then or, or like when right around left. the time me and well, mind my, and once I moved out to LA, mine and my dad's relationship was like, my mom would put him on the phone once in a while, but like all the communication would go through her. Mm. He never like called me to see how I was doing, nor I him. Cause that's just not the relationship we had. And then around the time my wife got pregnant, I stopped talking to him completely because of an incident involving guns. He, he had guns stolen from him. And this was, I was 
in Vegas the week after that shooting at that Man. country music festival. Right. And people were like still very, very upset oh, about it. Yeah. Um, and then I found out my dad had all these guns stolen from him and he like, wasn't really trying to like make a police report. And I was like, this is so fucked up. I can't, I can't talk to you. Mm-hmm. And then a couple months later, my father-in-law called me. He's like, you got to tell your dad that he's going to be a grandfather. Like you can't just wow. tell him like, I know you don't want to, but you got to be the bigger person and just like tell him because it'll break his heart and he'll, you'll have like an irreconcilable relationship if he finds out from somebody else. Wow. Yeah. And so I told my dad and like, ever since I've had the baby, our relationship has been better. I think because I've like basically understood the limitations of our relationship and it's allowed it to grow. That's good. And I know what I, I know what to expect from him and I know what to not expect from him. And it's actually been really liberating. But that's good. I, so you mentioned that he had a secret family on your podcast. So I recently, like a year or two ago, found out like his, he like is the stepdad to his girlfriend's like kids. She has like several kids and he's like, like they carry on as like a family unit together. And I didn't know about this until not too long ago. And it was like, holy shit, my dad is like a dad to other kids. That's fucking weird as hell. That was my biggest fear. Really? Yeah. That was my biggest fear was that my dad would have a kid with someone. And I was really jealous even if he got to, if he saw my cousin, uh, Camber, this girl, uh, not this girl, my cousin, I'd be like, you love, like, what if he loves her more than me? Like, it, that was my biggest fear. So what is it like when it plays out? Like, did it fuck you up? Are you okay? Like, what are you, res- what do you feel? I don't think about it too much. But when I, when I think about it, I'm just like mixed because like at the time, I think I found out about it around the time I wasn't talking to him. Mm-hmm. And I was just like really hurt at first. But then I was like, well, I can't be too hurt because I've kind of like rebuked him. And uh, I try not to think about it all that much our relationship has gotten better. Like he calls me every now and again. I call him every now and again. Mm-hmm. He's st- like, he started sending birthday cards and like being mindful and acknowledging things like that. Whereas like any birthday card or gift or anything was always like from my mom, but she signed dad. Like oh she couldn't even get God. him to like write DAD on it. She wrote dad. Oh my God. And, and the note, you know, I think that, uh, you know, everyone, like my mom got really, really mad at my sister. Cause she found out that my sister had met my dad's girlfriend. I was going to ask, have you met? Okay. No, I haven't. And my boundary is that I never want to. And my dad respects that. This is the woman that broke up my parents' marriage and effectively has like, she, she, 
works with him I was and was where they meet running his books and stopped the payment on my parents' mortgage on the, on the house that we grew up in six months before it was paid off completely and they foreclosed on it. What? To, to like, to like cause further friction between my parents. So like, if it was the kind of thing where like my dad was unhappy in the marriage and felt alienated. So he fell into the comforts of another woman's tenderness. That's one thing completely. But this woman obviously had a malicious agenda. Yeah. Oh, and so therefore, if it was like, if it was like my dad found comfort in this other woman and it was like that sort of thing. Yeah. And she was respectful. I would have no problem meeting her and like having a relationship. But since it was this whole other dark twisted sort of, of mean spirited wow. gross thing. Yeah. I just never have a desire. So that, so like, I guess that's where the negative feelings about my dad, like having a paternal relationship with her kids who are like, not to shame people who have kids from various partners, but like her kids are all from various partners. Mm -hmm. So like, so she's done this before. Right. Probably. How old is she? She's like, she's young. My dad's 65, but, Oh shit! Wait, what's the date? You're like it's his birthday. I will. tomorrow. Tomorrow's his birthday. <laughs> tomorrow's his birthday. But um, she's probably like fifty. Mm. I don't really know. Oh I don't know. God. My sister's like, do you want to see her Facebook? And I'm just like, no. I don't like. I never want to know her. No. But, but my mom got really mad at my sister and I stuck up for my sister. I was like, look, this has put us all through a lot of pain and you can't judge people's, um, you can't judge people's way of healing. You know, your way of healing is reconnecting with your dad and broadcasting that process so other people can hear it and navigate their situations for themselves in an entertaining, lighthearted, but also like very real way. My sister's, my way is having a boundary where I just never even want to see what this woman looks like or know her at all. My sister's is to like full on embrace it and like move on from it. Mm-hmm. Everyone's process for, for, for dealing with their traumas is, is different. And you have to like respect that unless it's like, you know, abusive or self-destructive. Right, right. Yeah, I think that um, moms, you know, have that attachment to their kids where if you do go to the cheating line scoundrel and give them a chance and uh, let them back into your life uh, or spend more time with them or okay, like there is definitely paranoia, resentment. There's some shit where it's kind of like the guilt that a, that a daughter feels like I can relate to your sister my mom's not extreme like that, she, but uh, you know, you can kind of feel it. It's like, uh, you know, it's the same as bros before hoes. It's like daughters before fathers. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it's, yeah. you had a, you had a, you didn't have any siblings, you know? Yeah. That's even, you, you, you know, 
But I'm saying, yeah, but this, his mom, you know, it's, it, there's a my, lot of ex- expectations. The parents, I think, have expectations for the kids to, but if I feel this way, you got to stay with me. And it's kind of like, it's not, you guys chose this, you guys fucked and you did your thing. And now here I am. And I didn't ask you to fuck. Okay. That's, you know. <laughs> Is there anything with raising your daughter that you are dreading? That there's that you're afraid of, uh, not afraid of, but a talk that you have to have? Or is there any part of it that you're like, oh, God, I want to avoid that. Or I I wish I could avoid it. For her to want to become a comedian (laughs) (laughs) or an actress. Honestly, that for real, like she is very hammy. And she's like already at two and a half. She's already really funny. And. She has little bits that she does that she knows are bits. And uh, and she gets reinforced by you. Right, you know, exactly. Yeah, yeah, man. And yeah. so, you know, I, I want to try to steer her away from this. <laughs> but, you know, at the same time, you know, like. Yeah, go ahead. At the same time, you know, like support her strengths and whatever it is she wants to do within reason. And, um I'm afraid of falling out of touch or like having resentments or like, I'm afraid of taking things personally that are just how kids behave. Like I'm afraid of when she's a teenager, her full on rejection of relationship with her parents being something that hurts my feelings. Mm -hmm. I want to just know having the wisdom of remembering it myself. Like I always wondered how and why parents lose that empathy of the teenage experience, especially in our parents' generation. They had kids much younger and it seems like by the time their kids became teenagers, they totally just, forgot Mm -hmm. how that went and what it was like. And so that just tells me maybe it's just an inescapable trapping of being a parent that like you, you have a hard time relating to your teenage kids. And I just want to like, not have that happen to me. You know, the, the memory memories are really, they fade quickly. You know, um, there was an ex- explanation about that. I mean, just if you say to me, what did I do uh, Thursday morning? I wouldn't remember. But t- to actually put your whole thing and try to understand what a child is going through, like you don't remember that everything t- to a child is new, right? Everything is, is new. So, and it's, we're adults, we know about all the stuff they're discovering. And uh, this is my whole thing about, this is just one thing that I believe. When we come into the earth, or when we're born, uh, depending on if you're born in a cave or not, coming into the earth. I have no idea what I was going to say. It was one uh, thing you believe when you come into the earth or the Oh, cave. yeah, yeah. Somebody was saying to me in a 
um oh i remember it was a uh i did this jacko movie that got totally edited out everything i did it did but, I, I watched that i loved it but I, yeah. i'm sorry that that happened that sucks there's some there's some outtakes on the cd that they say i say a lot more but i won't even watch that shit um but the first director who wasn't uh, until Trujillo came in and brought in all the big, you know, Sting and everybody else. That was great. And I was happy. And I really didn't give a shit. I, you know, it was like I spent two days filming and saying all this deep stuff, but then they had to make money. So they, they brought in the people that would draw it. But um, what I did say to the interviewer, I said, you know, when you're young, the canvas is blank. You've got a blank canvas. You haven't been through too much judgment or too much ridicule or disappointment. So you're, you're able to go for things more or you, let's do it. I mean, there's such so much more adventurous being young or being young, young people are more, much more adventurous because there's no memory of a stop sign in their psyche. Uh, so when somebody asked me about working with Jocko's at a very pretty young age, um, I was just open, whatever. I mean, I was, I was equipped harmonically to hear uh, changes being played. Like when you, when you're dealing with harmony and music, you have a simple, it's all, people will say it's all math, but when you listen to a song like, a Disney movie, for instance. Uh, Someday My Prince Will Come Off. I, I don't know what movie that's from, but, but it's a Cinderella. Disney Cinderella. But Cinderella. But if you hear Miles do it, right. it's a whole different thing. And when they start blowing, improvising, they have to understand how all these different kinds of scales, and there are a lot of them. Once you know all those variations of scales, and you see the changes of a very simple song, you're able to expand on all that stuff. So being a kid or, or you know, playing with Jocko, Jocko was like, a, he was a lot of things, man, but he didn't have any limitations on himself. Inhibitions. He just went for it. Inhibitions or judgments. Or, is this going to be cool? This is, fuck that, man. I'll, I'll play my shit on a fucking wedding gig you know, or bar mitzvah or whatever, you know, and played all this out shit with, you know, we're doing some, I don't know, wedding song, you know, lady in red or whatever they sing it, you know, but he's playing all this alternate notes that go with that chord, but the regular person wouldn't hear it. I'm losing you, man. I could see it on your face, but anyway, my, <laughs> no, no, my, I'm, I'm just trying to figure out a way to apply it. Um, I think what you're like, what I'm taking from that is like, it doesn't matter what you're doing as long as you put your own spin on it. And you have no inhibitions and a child maybe. In and, and it reminded me of a Steve Martin passage from his book that has stuck with me. You know, you read books and you don't remember 90% of what's in the books, but there's one thing you said that from Steve Martin's book where he said, when you're not, when you're first start doing stuff, comedy you're naive so you're able to come up with more and be creative because you don't know what else is out there and who else has created the same thing before you so you're more free to, and opened up to 
creating things. And then the more time goes on, you realize what else is out there. You start killing ideas before they have a chance to turn into anything. Cause you're like, Oh, that's too similar to what somebody else has done. Yes. But then, you know, you take, if it's brilliantly done, then all that other stuff goes away. It doesn't count. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But gosh, I just don't have a brain today, man. But no, you do have a brain. I'm going to spin it back to a child's. What brought you onto this is to understanding a child's mind. Everything that yeah has to do with you. And when, when we were hanging the little bit, we were hanging, I was trying to show you stuff, but you didn't even know it. I was just saying like, I was going to say, you definitely did show me stuff. Like when, you, when Sandy was saying that his dad didn't say, show me how to fix the car. You showed me stuff a yes, lot. You showed me but, how to draw an airplane and a nose. Yes. But also you were in one thing, man, you were the most incredible. And I was writing with some really good lyricists and writers, but you just wrote this incredible lyric and sang this cool melody. And I go, holy fuck, man, this is great. And it was just raw talent for that. Now but I'm... over the years, um, something happened where there was doubt and am I good enough or am I going to be criticized about it? That buries talent, buries raw talent, you know? And uh, well, did I, did I hog the whole podcast? No, no, dad, you didn't. It was great. Okay. I I could honestly do like 20 more of these with you guys. I know. I was like, I feel bad because well, it's been two hours. I've, but I'm like, this is great. The flow. You know, I don't listen. I think uh I'm just gonna throw this out there. We should all get a place together. <laughs> in New Orleans, you know, no. not like you know Look, man, if I had the bread, I'd live in LA, man. Hands down. Yeah. Should have kept the humidity place. in New Orleans is a bit much for me. <laughs> yeah no la's slamming i love it there yeah i do too i do too yeah what did you really... want to pitch dad um something that i'm totally unqualified for okay but might might not be a good idea okay. but it might there's a there's a cool relaxed vibe here you know and maybe we should uh just bounce ideas around man you want to have a writer's room no i mean i don't even want to label it all right once you put a label on something, the pressure's on. I just want to explore. Coming from a bachelor. You're not a bachelor, but it's just such a guy thing to say. What? What did like I say? A that guy, was... Well, like in my generation, if a guy's like, just putting a label on something is just so much pressure. Well, it's not pressure, but there's an expectation and then there's an assumptions, you know, um, that's all. That's all. Okay, so you want to... I think there are three people that have different perspectives and different ways of going about things. And I definitely do because I'm, you know, I'm three generations older than you guys are. And uh, yeah, so it's a different thing, but it's all the same at the same time. So you want to not label something, but you want to get together again and chat and come up with ideas. If that happens, you don't want to call it ideas because that even puts a label on ideas. And what are we even talking about anymore? Okay, we could put a label on it. Uh, this is a big step for my dad. Analyzing, analyzing what makes something a show a television show or a movie show but a sitcom what makes it good what makes it good you know and actually really take an analytical approach to it 
Because that's what I did with drumming and that's what I did with everything. It's like, how did they do that? I mean, how did they get that shot? Or how did they get that lighting that way? Or all that stuff is interesting to me. It's fascinating because out of all the idioms, for me personally, uh, film has the most impact on me as a human being, you know? So, but then Like it's- Winnie the Pooh was just life-changing. It was. How so? Oh, I'll tell you what was really life-changing was that movie which one what the one i mentioned uh it was uh kung fu panda or mr rogers kung fu Fu panda that was you've referenced that on the (laughs) podcast before yes but there, there was another thing there was another movie that disney did about this uh mexican kid who wanted to be a musician yeah poco it's so good you have no idea how good it is. No, I think if you only knew how good it was, you would get it. Wait, <laughs> but unless you've been initiated into certain arishas of Santeria and understand ancestries and how the Spanish culture deals, it's a whole religion of that. And when I watch that, and I'm from my, uh, you know, I hang in Florida, so I meet a lot of Cubans, right, and. A lot of people are into that. And that was all about ancestors and, and ancestral memory on, on a uh, DNA level. You know, I mean, all these things are passed down through thousands of years, right? And, and you're the end result of all those generations, right? So that's where that was at. That I was like blown away by, by it. And it was well done. I'm down to do a spinoff animation podcast. That's about- a animated films look at his face wait say that again a a spin-off podcast about the significance of animated films one more time man (laughs) are you creating it or analyzing it but no no we're analyzing it the three of us we're watching winnie the pooh and kung fu panda and coco and uh tangled and you know whatever else i actually I'm very well attuned to that because it's all I watch with my daughter all day, every day. Okay. Or else, you know what else we could do? Wait, you didn't really cool. Okay. We could be movie reviewers. Okay. (laughs) Because my take on what a good movie is, is completely different on what popular movie is, you know? So it's kind of the same thing that Sandy said, but we, if if we stick to cartoons. We could. Oh, Okay. I thought you meant like uh, do a podcast and show cartoons doing the podcast. Is that what you, that's what I, (laughs) no, 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 but I love that perspective. And I think that you're proving your point. (laughs) We're both girl dads. We can call it girl dad Fandango. (laughs) We already have the baked in sponsorship. One girl, two girls. Get back up and going. We could have a promo code. Yes. Yes. And then you, yeah, that's absolutely it. You got dad, you have the gen, you have the three year generation perspective of the movie. Sandy, you have the perspective of the dad watching the movie, the influence it could have on your kid. And I have still weirdly enough, my childhood mindset, which is, I don't know why it's just still there. (laughs) It's priceless. It's important. I can give you that POV. I like this guys. Yeah, it's pretty comfortable. When's your birthday? Oh, December twenty sixth. Her, hers or mine? Good question. Oh, you're you're a Capricorn. Mm-hmm. 
I'm a Capricorn. Oh, I'm very comfortable with Capricorns. There yeah. you go. Well, okay, that's something and that not, 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 I don't believe in astrology. But are you kidding me? You sent me a description of your horoscope the other day. You said read that and figure it out. <laughs> no, what I said was, if you want to understand some of your insecurities or not insecurities, but things that you think that I fail at, you'll understand that's part of my. It, it describes how people receive me and what my pros and cons are. Well, this is interesting because if Sandy's a Capricorn, I wonder if he has the same pros and cons. No, I'd probably not. Okay. I won't even get there. Well, uh, my one last question before we go off and talk about our next spinoff is your goal is to not be how your dad was. I think there's, it. it's like a duality of like, Knowing how what you don't want to be like, knowing like like acknowledging and labeling qualities that you consciously work against having, but there's also this element of like living your life, and no matter how much you're aware of these things, you have moments where you're like, "Fuck, I'm I'm like." This is exactly what my dad would do. Or oh, this is like, I'm so my mom right now. Mm -hmm. And I, I just don't think that there's, no matter how aware of it you are, there's any way around it. I think nature, I used to believe that nurture was so much stronger than nature. But after having a child and seeing how much this kid is so wired to be like me it, it's just like undeniable how much stronger nature is a hundred percent totally and yeah. there's no escaping that and it's just about like embracing it or being aware of it and just trying to mitigate the negative qualities you see that you've picked up from your parents and and like making light of them or just like Strengthening other qualities and habits to so that like my parents are both quick to anger and my wife is not and I am. So, you know, just working on other habits and, and um, skills to try to mitigate that. Mm -hmm. right, right. That's good. That's really good. Yeah, definitely. I totally agree with the nature thing, because as I said on your podcast, like when me and my dad spent time together for the first time and he was leaving his shoes in the door, like even he'll pick his toenails sometimes and then I'll, I'll do it and I'll be like, Oh my God, but I didn't grow up with him. So you're absolutely like just the same qualities. The other thing about your dad, you have an advantage over your dad and the advantage is uh, you go out on the road and you're gone. But when you're home, you're, you're not gone all day working for a boss. He probably hates and, the bitterness and then he comes home exhausted and he's paying the bills and the money. So he doesn't have, he doesn't have the energy to give or culturally. I mean, back then it's different. It was different too. Men didn't, you know, men didn't hang. Right. With and I, I understand that. Yeah. I don't hold any resentments anymore, but it, it just takes you time. Once you realize things like that to like understand them and and let those 
resentments go. It's, it's, um, it's, a it's not an easy process. I go through the same thing. There's a person in my life and my family that I don't talk to anymore. I'm not mad. You know, you don't get to choose your family members. And I think it's fair to, to like acknowledge that you're not necessarily supposed to be the strongest of uh, family members all mm -hmm. the time with everybody. Yeah, I know. I know. But it's marketed that way. Yeah. Social constructs and what have you. You, yeah. you can't choose your family members, but you can choose your friends. So if they fuck up, don't let them be your friends. That's what I got from that. Yeah, yeah, I like that. This has become like a Joe Rogan podcast because <laughs> it, it's like it's gone on for almost as long as I one know. Person. Okay, well, let's. <laughs> I keep looking at me like, sorry, girl. I'm like, I'm worried because I do <laughs> no, have to go pick up my no, daughter soon. It's but been. now we've gotten into like <laughs> this worry. territory where I'm like, fuck, I haven't had this good of a conversation <laughs> in a long time. What do I, should I just let my daughter? Like, no, no, no. You take, abandon take a daycare so I can no, keep No, you've been doing a good job as a dad. Do not abandon her when this is the abandonment issue podcast. <laughs> you abandon right. your daughter. I know it's getting too meta, but that's what I'm here for. And that's why I want to keep having this conversation. I've got one more question for you. And mm -hmm. Don't let him abandon okay. his daughter. No, no, no. That has nothing to do with this. This is a math question. <laughs> okay, so the, the beats in, in, in my dog, which is... Uh, means you know what dies, right? I think so. No. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's a uh, digital workstation. I I use Logic or Pro Tools or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I put the tempo at sixty. So there's sixty sixty seconds in a minute. So we're at right now two thousand bars. That's four beats per per bar at a tempo of sixty, right? So how many bars? So you divide four into 2,000, that would give you 5,000. And then you would divide that by four, and that will give you the, the length of this podcast. Dad, Dad, you're talking to two comedians. Maybe if we did have Joe Rogan on, he could answer that. But like, well, let me just look at my watch then. Oh, shit. We've been doing this for a long two hours. time. Two hours. <laughs> All right. All right. So where can find we find me. you? I'm at Sandy Danto on all the social medias, which I've been neglecting a little bit because I want to just be happy and healthy, Same. but I will get back on there. I'm like trying to load up on content so I could get back and be okay with seeing other comics, like doing shows, knowing that I can't because I have a pregnant wife at home. Oh, but how many months? Seven. Ooh, yeah. let's get into that zone, man. Getting in the zone. Getting in the zone. Uh, yep, and yep. Um, my album, Daddy Boy, is available for streaming anywhere. You can stream anything. And my podcast, MFers, which I spoke about at the beginning of this episode. Um, also, anywhere you find podcasts. Awesome. Excellent. Thank you, well, thank so, you so much. It's, it's yeah, great you meeting you, man. Fun. We'll talk business and about our movie review cartoon analyzing. Yes, yes. We, I will circle back about that. Okay. Think of something that we could learn from through the process. Okay. Okay. You too, it Dad. Has, has to be creative. <laughs> All like, right. And it can't have nothing to do with music or dialogue. Okay. What? Okay. <laughs> All right. Bye, guys. <laughs> Brain teaser, you know. <laughs>
And then at the end, we ended with huge math questions that don't make sense. Okay. (laughs) Thanks so much, Sandy. That was awesome. I'm a big fan of yours, man. I'm a big fan of yours, for real. Both you guys. You guys should just kiss already. This is weird. Totally, oh. Belusi. Yeah, don't don't change your look, man. It works for you, for your personality. Totally. Okay, we're yeah. gonna let him go. We have okay, trouble bye-bye. saying goodbye. I <laughs> yeah, do we too. Do. I, <laughs> all right. Uh, I, I'll talk to you later. Bye. Okay. Right. Bye. Bye. Uh, bye. 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 Oh my god. Did he hang up? Is he gone? Yeah. Oh great, man. What an asshole he was. I didn't like him at all, man. <laughs> funny guy funny guy bobby just getting into the comedy the more and more he talks to the comedians the more he becomes one actually trying to be funny not just naturally he was so into that after we stopped recording he was like should i do it again should i re-record it he'll know i'm joking right Oh, man. It's always hard to say goodbye. That has been the theme of my childhood. What you just witnessed was every conversation I had with my dad as a kid, which was probably only 10. But every time he'd say, you hang up first, you hang up first. It was probably just so he felt better about himself that he wasn't the one leaving again. He thought maybe it would take away my issues of him always being the one to duck out first. But it didn't because here we are. And I'm relapsing on my abandonment issues. We'll get into that on Patreon. So my favorite thing that happened in this episode was, guys, we thought that my dad loved Kung Fu Panda. But what we didn't know is that he's been holding out on us the whole time about Coco. You don't even know how much about that movie? What did he say? You don't even know. You don't even know that movie. You don't even. That passion was out of control. Imagine him saying that to a child. If the child's like, no, I really liked that movie. No, I, I got it. No, you didn't get it. You don't know about. <laughs> it's so good. I really hope that we do start some sort of spinoff or talk about cartoon movies because the the two perspectives and just hearing my dad talk about Disney movies, Pixar movies would be a treat. I'm probably going to resort to it though, because that's how I can get him to talk. Sandy Danto got my dad to talk, got my dad to talk about Jocko, asked some really hard questions and Bobby was free. He was a free bird and I haven't seen him like that for a while. So he is the Bobby whisperer. Please check out his podcast, MFers. It's so good, insightful. You'll probably learn more on that about parenting than you would on this. But he has comedians on and it's really great. So as I mentioned, Bobby is still going through some shit. We don't know what's going to happen. But that just means that I think I'm going to keep doing the episodes every other week. I do have a guest coming up we are going to be recording next week and I'm really excited about it because she's a healer and my dad and I bond over that big time. But I I think that she can maybe give us some answers and insight into our relationship and 
just get Bobby to talk. I think my goal right now, the, the you know, the goal is always changing. The goal has now turned into to just get Bobby to be comfortable talking on the podcast as he goes through his own personal shit. How am I doing? Eh, yeah, I still need an episode every week. Bobby bit. First of all, follow us on patreon.com slash Nikki Bond. I put up the clip where he talks about his brilliant idea. I'm going to start putting on the full uncut episodes from these recordings, like when I do the Zoom calls and what else? That's it. Follow me on Instagram, Nikki Bond. Why? Because I need to be validated. Are you guys on Clubhouse? It is fucking with my head and taking up all my time. If you are on Clubhouse, I'm on there, Nikki Bond. I'd love to get a dad conversation going. I'd love to get a room of dads and just talk to them. Bad dads, though. No good dads, because bad dads are funnier. All right, now for the Bobby bit. This is just more so what happened behind the scenes that I took out. And it's not necessarily Bobby. It's just when you get a bunch of dads in a room and also a comic. There was so much interruption that I didn't want to leave it out because this is the shit that happens behind the scene. And I feel like I'm always nagging and complaining my about my dad or like trying to keep him in line. But this is this is why I got to get him to turn his TV, his phone, all of it off. But he wasn't the only one this time. And so I think it's only fair to highlight all of our faults. But I was I was so. You write and you direct. Not not so much currently, but I I did. And I would love to get back into doing that if the opportunity came up. I'm sorry. It's I, all right. I, please dogs. excuse my dog. Somebody, dogs are welcome. I have a I have a sign on my door that says, "Please do not knock or ring the doorbell." <laughs> and of course, somebody just rang the doorbell. It's all right. So when you um we yeah so you moved to L A. Oh yeah, because National Lampoon. And then, did you start stand up when you were working for Polly Shore? I'd started it right before that, but oh, hold on. There's it's, a okay. it's okay. It's a small dog. Where, where does he live? Sherman Oaks. Oh, okay. Okay, okay, I'm back. I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. sorry. It's okay. Um, so I, I, I <laughs> fuck up. Okay. <laughs> um, that wasn't his dog. That was to his daughter. So. <laughs> yeah, you know we we she her first word was bitch. So no, no, no. I'm just oh, kidding. But she did. She recently started repeating everything we say. So she does. She'll be like, oh shit. And it's the cutest thing in the world. Oh, man. Wait, this meeting has been upgraded yeah. by the host. I had to, I paid for Zoom and it's making me pay again. But you know, when you're recording, oh. you're like, oh my God, don't. Okay. Uh, the dog, the Zoom, the phone. We're good. This is real life, people. This is a real life, real moment podcast. Variety is the spice of life. Yeah. <laughs>